0: My name's Dave, and uh, I am a pastor here at K2 The Church, so if you're visiting, just want to welcome you so much uh, for joining. I'm so glad that you joined us today. And um, man, there's, there's some great quotes in there, aren't there? Um, especially the one about Jackie Chan. You guys like that one? <laughs> but uh, li- listen to a couple of these. People see the result and cheer the victory, but they don't see the training and cheer the process. Isn't that interesting? Man, that is just so true about everything in life. And then this one, think about the most significant things in your life, the best moments, (coughs) excuse me, the greatest achievements. They very rarely come without great cost. And that's just the truth, isn't it? I mean, we know that about everything. We don't even have to be sitting in church to know that that's just a principle of life right there. If you're going to be great in athletics, there's a lot of training, there's a lot of discipline, and there's a lot of cost that you have to do. If you're going to be great in music, if you're going to be great in business, in your field, whatever you're involved in, and I don't know if you guys know this, if you're going to be great in your marriage, you guys know that one? (laughs) To be great in marriage doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of discipline, a lot of self-control, and a lot of cost. Same thing when you're parent, parenting your kids, and as we're going to look at today, this whole walk that God says that you and I can have with him, and this experience of actually uh, knowing God personally and having him empower your life, it's the same thing. Jesus said this. the he, guys were getting ready to follow him. He said, "Listen, if you're going to think about following me, you've got to count the cost. There's a cost to this thing. There's a cost to greatness. There just is. It doesn't just happen. And what's interesting is the cost is to who? Who, who? Who's the cost to? Who is it? It's to you. <laughs> That's what's weird. It's like when that, when that quote says all of these things, these great achievements, they rare, very rarely come without great cost. That cost is you. You're the one who's going to have to pay the price. And isn't that why most people don't experience greatness? It's because we don't really want to pay the cost. We don't want to experience whatever it is that we might have to lose to eventually become great. And so in that opening song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, (laughs) you know? And isn't that true? You have to have some resistance. And if it doesn't kill you, when you're physically resisting, it is making you stronger. And the same thing is true for your faith. We have to exercise our faith. Our faith, are steps that we take. And when things come against us, the Bible is so clear about one thing, you guys. It is hardship and testing and suffering that actually increases your faith. That's just the way it is. And that's why most of us just go, you know what, I'm just not into that. <laughs> this costs too much. And so we kind of live up. Way too many of us as humans live kind of mediocre lives. And here, what we're talking about is God says, man, I've got some great stuff for you, but there is a cost to it. Vince Lombardi says this, mental toughness is many things and rather difficult to explain. Its qualities are sacrifice and self-denial. Also, most importantly, it is combined with a perfectly disciplined will that refuses to give in. It's a state of mind. You could call it character and action. Not cool, man. That's mental toughness. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been in this series called Stoked, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter one where we got this idea where Paul, this church planner, this church great church leader, is looking at a young guy who's taken on some leadership, and to encourage him, to encourage Timothy, he just says, "Timothy, you got to know something, man. You possess some fantastic things." And and we've we've looked at faith. He says, Timothy, I see you have great faith and it's really alive in you. He goes, you have gifts. The Spirit of God has actually given you, Timothy, a gift. And it's yours to use for his greater purposes. And then, Timothy, you didn't receive a spirit of fear, man. You received, when you received Christ, you received a spirit of power. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. So no more acting religious, right? We're not going to do this religious stuff. Religious stuff is for the birds, man. That produces nothing. We're going to get into the actual power that's in us by the Holy Spirit of God. And then last week, which was so cool, he says, oh, and by the way, you could have faith, and you can have gifts, and you can have that power, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. (laughs) Nothing. But thank God, he goes, Timothy, you also received a spirit of love. You've got all. So, I mean, he's like, this is crazy. You've got faith, you've got gifts, you've got power, and you've got love. But here's the reality, you all, because many of you in this room right now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you truly are, and if you're not, if you're here today and you're investigating this claim of Christianity, if you're investigating the possibility that Jesus Christ could be who who he said he was, part of the problem I said to to you a few weeks ago, if you're searching, part of the problem why you're maybe not thinking that he is is because of those of us who follow him, aren't really displaying the beauty of who God really is. But if you're a follower of Christ here today, you need to know you have faith, you have a gift, you have power, and you have love. But what's awesome, what's not awesome, what's not awesome is that you can actually possess these things and you aren't even taking advantage of them. You're not experiencing them. Your faith isn't being exercised. Your gift isn't being used, and the rest of the body suffers, and so do you, because you don't know how awesomely wonderful God created you to be. You're not tapping into this power that is so much greater than anything you could do as a human being, and you're still exercising your own love, which is all conditional, instead of experiencing the power of God's love, which says, I don't care who you are, I'm going to love you. So what he said is, Timothy, guess what? You've got this stuff. Now fan it in the flame. And that's what we've been trying to do these last four weeks, is fan these things in a flame. And today, what we're going to look at is this. And that is the fact that Paul says, Timothy, you also, when you didn't receive a spirit of fear, you received a spirit of self-discipline. You received a spirit of self-discipline. Now can I ask you, and we all know just from the very beginning, that it takes great discipline to achieve wonderful things. Can I just ask you, how many of you could use a little self-discipline? Anybody need some of that? (laughs) It's fun, because sometimes people are like, I don't know, that one, two hands over here. Woo-hoo, man, right? We're we're like, bring it on. How cool is it to know that God is telling us today, when you receive Christ, you receive it. You've actually got self-control inside of you. You're like, are you kidding me? Did you see me with my thin mints? I love that. That's pretty funny. So, man, let's pray. Let's take some time right now. And let's ask God again to open, because I'm going to tell you, I think there's something unique here today for us. Let's ask God to open the eyes of our hearts so we can understand what we really have. God, thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord who has connected us, redeemed us, reconciled us back into a relationship with you so that we can actually have your spirit dwelling with inside of us. Thank you, God, for everything that we've been looking at that's ours because of that. Faith and gifts and power and love. But today, I just want, man, Lord, I, I confess to you, this is the one where I just go, this is the one where I'm going, where is that? Where is the self-control? Where is the self-discipline? And I just pray, Lord, that you might open the eyes of our heart today so that we might know you better, so we may understand what you have freely given to us. God, hands went up quick today. This is a topic that we all need to hear from you on and to receive from you on. And I just ask for the grace for you to give it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we're going to answer the same questions we've been answering in the last few weeks. We're going to look at how is fear... <clears throat> Actually, let me just read this verse for you again so you can see it. Let's throw up 2 Timothy 1. <clears throat> he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God... For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but He gives us power and love and self-discipline. So... What well, we're going to look at here, you guys, first is we're going to say, well, well how is fear the opposite of self-discipline? Because fear is the opposite of power, made a whole lot of sense, right? Because fear makes you hesitate or be paralyzed, and power moves you. Fear is easy with the opposite of love, too, because fear is when you're totally concerned about yourself, and yet when you love somebody, you're totally concerned about other people. But how is fear the opposite of self-discipline? Kind of interesting. And then we'll look at what this spiritual discipline is, and then we're going to look at how to stoke it, alright? Right? So um, and I tell you, I've uh, been struggling a little bit with my, anybody else struggling with sickness? I tell you, man, what a weekend. I might sit here for a little while today. Um, so let's go with number one. How is fear the opposite of self-discipline? And I, I think there's two ways. Um, the first one is this, is again, fear hinders you from moving. It keeps you from doing what you want to do. Um, I'm in men's fraternity right now, and I, I just want to tell you, again, I, I took men's fraternity because I was tired of saying, hey, um, um, Jonathan tells me that men's fraternity is really good, so you guys should take it. <laughs> so I went ahead and I took it, and I, can I just say, um, we're ending this week, and then we're going to start it up again in the fall. I will now say from going through it, if you're a man and you want to know what it is to really be a man who knows God, you should take men's fraternity. There's just, there's just no way around. It's fantastic stuff. And uh, we'll kick it off again in the fall. And I just want to, we'll be throwing it out to you guys and encourage you to take it. But um, in that, one of the things he says a man is supposed to do is to lead courageously. <clears throat> and, um, and what was interesting, he said, when you get to that point where you want to lead, he goes, you're going to have one main obstacle. You're going to have one hurdle that you're going to have to get over. And I was sitting there thinking, what do I? and it, it was really interesting. He said, it's your feelings. It's your emotions. Because stuff is going to rise up with you. You're going to have to lead and take, have courage to lead in your marriage, to lead in parenting, to lead in every single way, lead spiritually. And what's interesting, guys, isn't it true, is when those things come up, emotions rise up. And the biggest one that rises up is fear. And next thing you know, it's like, you know why fear is the opposite of self-discipline? Because fear is something that says you're not going to move. But when you have self-discipline, another way you could look at it is you have self-control. And when you have self-control, you guys, that means that you actually have the ability to say you're not going to rule me. These emotions rise up and they actually end up controlling you. And that fear keeps us from being who God really created us to be. And here's what Jesus says. There's a spirit that I give you my spirit. And that spirit can give you the power to say no to fear. And I just want to tell you, I remember years ago for me, uh, just to be vulnerable with you, this has been the biggest struggle in my life. I, I'm one of those guys who I just want to get along with everybody. Anybody else want to get along with everybody? <laughs> so the problem is it's really hard to have a relationship with somebody and get along with everybody. And so I have this huge fear of rejection and I have my whole life And what's weird is, so if you get into a relationship and conflict starts to rise up, the emotion arises and it starts to paralyze me. And for years, when the fear would rise up, I would just listen to it. And, and, And my next action would be determined because of the emotion that was driving me. You don't have to raise your hand, but you guys know what I'm talking about? Where you want to be a certain way, but you don't have the inner strength to do it. And your emotion is ruling you. It's absolutely controlling you. And I remember years ago finally understanding wait a second, David, you have another spirit inside of you. And that spirit can tell fear to go to, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, really? That was a a revelation for me that I didn't have to listen to that emotion. And here's what I learned though you know what? That fear doesn't go away. Years later, when I get into conflict, the same fear rises up. The emotion isn't going to leave. But I'm understanding now that I have a greater spirit inside of me than the fear and the emotion that I have. And that I can tell that fear, I'm not listening to you anymore. Do you guys understand that? That's how fear is different than self-discipline or self-control. Again, fear rises up and chokes you. Self-discipline, having the strength inside of you, control over yourself you can actually tell whatever emotion it is that rises up in you, you are not ruling me anymore. How many of you would like that power to be able to do that? That's what you have. Isn't that cool? If I could say all of your names, Paul would say, Timothy, you didn't give a spirit. You weren't given a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of self-discipline and self-control. Now here's another way that fear is the opposite of self-discipline. And that is that fear is at the heart of, of any religious attempt to get to God, let me say it again: Fear is at the heart of any religious attempt to get to God. I was as I was studying, I came across this quote. A guy said, "Fear is often the evidence of inner weakness, self-centeredness, and an undisciplined mind." And you guys, what happens is the reason it's it's uh, fear is often the the very catalyst for religious attempts is because God has told us through the gospel of Jesus Christ that he just loves us. I mean, Good Friday here in a couple of weeks, that is the ultimate display. God is like, I will go through anything to let you know how much I want to be with you. And yet what happens in our human hearts is we fear, we think that God is not going to love us if we don't perform well enough. And so we're always constantly trying to do enough. We're trying to be good enough. We're trying to be disciplined enough, which is what we're going to talk about today. And it's that fear that if I don't do these things, then God won't love me that causes every religious effort by man. All religious traditions that are developed by men come out of a fear that if I don't do these things, I'm not going to get God's favor. And I'm telling you, man, that is just, that is just not true. And so we need to understand what, what, when the Bible says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, the whole book was like, No, I've grace. God loves you. And through Jesus Christ, He's taken away all of your sin. So you're free, man. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. And I know this right now, man. There's a lot of you in this room, and you really love God. You really do. And you want to live a life that honors Him, and you want to experience this fullness to Him. And yet, you still think the operation of your mind, okay? which is what this word means. It means to have a sound mind. Right now, the operation of your mind is thinking wrongly. And you're thinking that if I've got, that I still have to do things to gain God's favor. And if I don't, I'm going to lose it. And man, how cool is it to know that? Wait a second. If you're feeling that way, that's not the spirit of God. Because Timothy, you weren't given a spirit of fear. Not anymore, man. You've got self control and you have self discipline, which means you can now have a right mind to think rightly about the reality of who God is. I'm telling you, if you get that, it'll change everything. So, there you go. That's how fear is the opposite of self discipline. Now, what is this? What is spiritual self discipline? The word means, in essence, just moderation at its core, it means that you're not getting caught up in either extreme. So what you have is you have the control or the power over yourself to not go off the path. And so, and all of us have this. All of us have this struggle. Like, if if this is my spiritual walk, man, if this is the straight and narrow way, as Jesus said, and I want to kind of go down this way, there's constantly stuff in this world luring me away from the person I really want to be, right? There are people in my life who want to lure me away, and I'm tempted by them, and throw out everything outside of me. There's just this thing inside, right? There's stuff inside of me that wants to just go after things that aren't of God. And so if you have self-control, what the word means is you don't go to either extremes. You actually have a power and a strength to stay on path. It was interesting, in ancient Greek culture, it was used, for, uh, it was used politically for those who should lead. Isn't that cool? Because people are like, if someone has that character quality then we can know they're not going to go after the whims of their own desires or their own temptations. They're not going to go after the whims of what other people want them to do. They're going to have self-control and self-discipline, which means they're going to have the power to make a right decision and stick with it. And that's what we're talking about here. And every one of us needs that. Now, let me just sit with this for a second. Let me just go on what self-discipline is not. Okay? And this is really important because when we, as soon as you're in church and as soon as you start talking about disciplines, my, I guarantee you're going to start thinking some things that are wrong. So let's look at this passage. It's in Colossians chapter 2. Paul says this Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? And let me just tell you what he's talking about there. What are the elemental spiritual forces of this world? There is a driving force within humanity that believes that you have to do enough things to be good enough for God. And it's an elemental spiritual force that's within this world. In all reality, when you go back to Genesis chapter, at the very beginning of the scripture, what happened in that garden, the temptation that the enemy gave to Eve and Adam was this. They're saying, I'm going to get you to doubt. Again, I'm going to get you to doubt that God really loves you. I'm going to get you to start to believe that he's holding things from you that would be better for you. And I'm going to get you to start to believe that you could actually do this on your own and you don't need him. So they grab that temptation. And the next thing you know, ever since then, humankind has been struggling, believing that I can do this on my own. It is an elemental spiritual force that's in this world. And instead of receiving all that you need from God, we are separated from receiving that and we're all trying so hard to be the people that God wanted us to be. Is it not great news that God wants to set you free from that? He wants to set every one of you free from the pressure of having to try to be what you want to be. So, in verse 21, he goes on, what are these elemental things? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teaching. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, isn't this really interesting? Because when you think about spiritual disciplines, if you guys ever think about those, don't you think, don't touch, don't handle, don't taste? Isn't that kind of what comes to your mind? You're like, okay, if I'm going to be really spiritual, right? I need to just totally abuse my body and not enjoy life at all. I mean, that's what it really means to love Jesus, you know? Come on, join the fun. Um, So here's, how cool is it that they say, listen, um, that whole deal, That's not the way it works. Go ahead and try not to do these things anymore. And they have no power over you to help you get over your sensual indulgence. Now, what's so interesting, you guys, Richard Foster, which, by the way, can I just write down, you can write down this book. If you're interested in understanding spiritual disciplines, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Fantastic book. It'll give you some very practical ways about how you can live this out. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Here's what he says. Willpower will never succeed in dealing with the deeply ingrained habits of sin. Willpower doesn't do it. <laughs> it's not you saying, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going I'm to take on these disciplines. And what he, what he really says is this. When it, when, it, when it says that such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship. You know what that means to have self-imposed worship? <laughs> It means that you're actually worshiping your will. You're worshiping, you're putting your trust in your ability to say no to things. And that's what he's saying. You, this doesn't work. This is not how this works. And so you come to this place and you go, man, I want to be a better person. So I'm not going to taste and I'm not going to touch and I'm not going to handle, right? So let me tell you why this is the elemental spiritual forces of the world and why this is not the ways of God. As soon, let's say some of you, because you know what the truth is. Some of you in this room are just better disciplined than other people, right? In fact, how, we all know people. They're incredibly disciplined. They don't have anything to do with God at all, but they're really disciplined, so they're really successful. You know people like that? So this, is, this obviously doesn't even have to do with, with just Jesus Christ. It's just something that's true about our lives, okay? And I, and I know for me, man, I'm so random and so sporadic that this stuff has always really bugged me. You know, it's, it's, it's why I hang out with people who are more disciplined because I'm like, well, maybe they'll rub off on me, you know, <laughs> and help me change. But here's, here's what happens. Why, how, how, come, how come it's called self-imposed worship? Because if you're really good at being disciplined and do not touch and do not handle and do not taste, the next thing you know, you feel like, man, I got this down. And what does that lead to? What does that lead to? Pride. Pride. And the next thing you're like, you're like, man, you have spiritual pride. And I, I'm telling you what, and as soon as you have spiritual pride and you think you're all that, because you can do these things or not do these things, then how do you look at everybody else around you? See, now you're judging everybody around you, aren't you? <laughs> and where's the love? You guys see why this, this, is, this is evil at its core, because now it's helping you to think that you don't even need God because you, you're, you're not worshiping God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and the power of his spirit. You're worshiping your ability to be disciplined. And all that will lead to is pride. And if you've got pride, you're going to see other people who can't be as disciplined as you. And next thing you know, you're going to be looking down on them. Anybody know people like that? Anybody ever been to church? Right? It's because church is filled with people who can be really good at being religious. Oh, Jesus hated that. right. Now on the flip side, so let's say you go to church and you're just like, Man, I gotta be disciplined, gotta read my Bible every day, gotta pray, gotta do all these things. Because if I do these things, then I'll be good with God, right? And then let's say you're a person like me and you're not very good at it. Now what do you feel? Yeah, you feel crap. Is that what I heard? Okay, we can say that. You know what you know what you feel? Is you feel shame. And you literally can start to think like, I don't deserve God's love. And I don't deserve his favor because they can't do all the other things that all the good religious people do. You guys see how hideous this is? So, so, so spiritual disciplines, are you've got to be so careful with them because if you start thinking that they are the things that are going to grant you favor with God, it's either going to lead to pride or it's going to lead to shame. And either way, there's no life in either one of those. Not the life of Christ. So, Romans 12 two says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world don't conform to the pattern of this world and one of the patterns of this world is you do it it's all on you and you can it's a lie from the pit of hell don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so funny just last night in bed right before we fell asleep Susie just read this chapter and she goes I think I should throw this at you and she was right she should have so let me read you it's it's a book called blue like jazz And uh, in this beginning chapter, one of his chapters, he says this. I was a fundamentalist Christian once. It lasted a summer. (laughs) I was in that same phrase, or I'm sorry, I was in that same phase of trying to discipline myself to behave as if I loved light and not behave as if I loved darkness. I used to get really ticked about preachers who talked too much about grace because they tempted me to not be disciplined I figured what people needed was a kick in the butt, and if I failed at godliness, it was because those around me weren't trying hard enough. I believed if word got out about grace, the whole church was going to turn into a brothel. I was a real jerk, I think. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? He was on a few pages later, and he he was talking about his pastor, Rick McKinley, who's an amazing guy, doing phenomenal stuff up in Portland. And when Rick first became a Christian, that's what happened. He received Christ, and then the church told him he had to do all these things. And he wasn't very good at doing them. To the point where he's like, you know what, I, I, total shame hit him. And he actually tried to kill himself. Because he felt like, I want to be everything you want me to be, God, but I can't be this. And then uh, Rick says, that he goes, Rick says that I will love God because he first loved me. And I will obey God because I love God. But if I cannot accept God's love, I cannot love Him in return. And I cannot obey Him. Self discipline will never make us feel righteous or clean. Accepting God's love will. Do you guys understand this difference? It's huge. He says, our behavior will not be changed long with self-discipline, but fall in love and a human will accomplish what he never thought possible. The laziest of men will swim the English Channel to win his woman. I think what Rick said is worth repeating, that by accepting God's love for us, we fall in love with him. And only then do we have the fuel we need to obey. That's beautiful, man. One of the biggest things we have to fight, you guys, those of us who really want to honor God and love him, is we have to fight this temptation to think that it's going to be our behavior and our discipline that's going to appease God. It's just not true. But what we do need is we need avenues of grace, as I like to call them. We need practices that when we practice them, they put us in the place of receiving God's love and receiving his truth and receiving the power and receiving the love. You guys remember, he said, Timothy, you have received the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So don't try to be those things. What you have to do, you guys, and what discipline... Can I just tell you what discipline is? Here's what spiritual discipline is. It is not you trying to gain God's favor. Spiritual disciplines are practices that you put in place so that you can engage with the living God and receive from Him. Does that make sense? And this is huge. Because you don't do these things to get God's, you don't get him to get his favor. It's like you realize I've got a crazy God who loves me like mad. And I just, in my mind, struggling to believe that. So I'm going to do everything I can so that I can put myself in a place to receive from him. Man, when you love somebody deeply from the heart, you will do anything you can to spend time with them. That's it. And that's what spiritual disciplines are. They're places to say no to yourself. No to yourself effort. And no to all the effort that you have. And instead, I'm going to receive from God. So let's look at a few of these things. How is self-discipline stoked? I just want to tell you, man, <clears throat> the, uh, the most important way, and, and I shared this earlier, is it, it, it mainly comes down to surrender. It just comes down to surrender. That stokes the fire. It's what we talked about with his power. It's what we talked about with his love. And basically, again, you guys, what happens in surrender is when you are finally saying to God, it's like, listen, God, I'm going to stop trying on my own. And I'm going to quit living the life that I want to live. And I'm literally going to die to myself. And I'm going to say, God, I will do anything that you want me to do. And what's awesome, you guys, and, 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 and so I just want to tell you, this is how it works. You don't try to be powerful. You don't try to be loving. And you don't try to have self-discipline. What you do is, now, I'm going use this image the whole series. Let me give it to you again. You have received power and love and self-control. Do you guys get that? It's in you. And the spirit is like the wind. So the wind's blowing. And he gives you power, and he gives you love, and he gives you self-control. And the only way that you get filled with the Spirit is when you get emptied of yourself. And so when you surrender yourself to God and you say, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do what I want to do anymore. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I surrender my will. That's the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And every time you do that, you guys, it's like your sail gets hoisted and it catches the wind of the Spirit. And this this is the whole key. Every time in my life, when I have finally said yes to God and no to myself, I find His Spirit come. And now all of a sudden my gift is different. It's anointed with the Holy Spirit. My love at home with strangers is different because He's given me His love for people. And now all of a sudden, the stuff that I'm struggling with, whether it's I want to eat too much or I don't want to exercise or I want to watch ESPN or whatever it is, it's like when I, and it's so funny, oh, I'm not going to eat anymore. How long does that last? Right? (laughs) Or I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. I mean, for sport, I won't watch sports. Yes, I will. You know, and you just can't do it. But here's what I found. When I find the core in my being to say no to God, no to myself and I say yes to God, next thing you know, It's weird. The Spirit fills me up, and I'm like, I'll do do anything. I'm saying no to stuff that I couldn't say no to before. Where did that come from? I tried really hard before, and that didn't work. Exactly. All He wants is your surrendered life to Him. Now, here's where the disciplines come in, is how in the world and why in the world Would you ever surrender your life to God unless you believe at the deepest core of your being that nobody loves you more than him? Why would you surrender your life to God until you believe with the core of your being that this God created you and he knows the plans he has for you? As hard as you try to figure out why you're here and what job is going to satisfy you and what relationship is going to fill you up and all that kind of, no matter how hard you try, there is a God who says, I thought of you, I created you, and I know the days I ordained for you. If you surrender and finally follow my path, you're going to find your life. See, the only way you're ever going to live a surrendered life and let God blow his spirit into your life is if you believe there's nobody else who loves me more. There's nobody who could do something greater for me I'm sick and tired of trying to figure this out And so you know what disciplines are They are practices that you put in place To remind yourself what is true about God And not only to remind yourself To actually let God love you And here's where it gets kind of funny Because now I'm like Man, I wish I had some really fun new things to tell you But I really don't Can I just give you a few of them? every 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 i just feel like i say it over and over again you want to experience god you want to hear him you want for him to empower you and yet how much time do you spend with him how much time do you spend with him oh honey man i love you i love you i love you i know i'm too busy to hang out with you i don't have time to go on a date with you don't have time to talk with you you don't love me you know what i'm saying I'm telling you guys, be in God's word. Here's, let me give you some disciplines. Here's some practices. I know there's so many of you want to be intimate with Jesus, and yet you, you really can't open up his word, and you just don't do it. And, and I tell you all the time, God's word is alive, and it's active. And yes, you do need to learn how to read his word, not for information. You don't read it to study God and to get him. You don't read God in that way. You don't read for information. You read for transformation. you got to figure out how to open up the Bible and believe by faith that God knows you and he loves you and he knows what to speak to you. And I'm telling you, man, when you start to open up the word and say, God, I believe you love me. I believe your Holy Spirit's inside of me. And I believe that you have anointed this word and that you can use it to speak to me. See, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, this is an engagement with God. And he starts to become real to you and he will speak to you. Now, I want to tell you, man, as a random dude, this was not a discipline for me that came easy. It took me years to get to the point where I finally did this on a regular basis. But can I tell you why I thought at it? Because when I opened up God's word and he started loving on me, I'm like, I'm in. Do you guys understand that? See, I know that's why some of you are like, this is so freaking boring. And I don't get this. And so it's not helpful for you. I'm telling you, start to learn how to read his scripture. Jump into a base camp class and we'll walk you through that to help you know how to receive from his word and how to get it into your life. This is one of the most important practices you can do. It's guys, another practice is just prayer. And I'm not talking about why you're quickly going to work in your car. I'm talking about learning how to sit with God. And, to, and here's what's so cool. I call prayer the great exchange. So you can go, hey God, here's all of my sin. And in place, I receive all of his forgiveness. Hey, God, here's all my my fear and anxiety. And in exchange, he gives me his peace. God, here's all my questions. I have no idea what to do. And God gives you in place his wisdom. You guys see what I'm talking about? It's a prayer is an exchange. And man, when God, you start receiving peace and joy and guidance and strength from him, you just gotta, that's a practice. See, that's when it, when we hear the word discipline, oh man, I gotta read the Bible. And I got to pray. It's like, no, I get to read the Bible and I get to pray because God speaks to me because he moves in me. Confession is another one. Great discipline to consistently receive his forgiveness. Fellowship is a huge one. It's a discipline. You guys, you know, it's actually a discipline to say, I'm going to hang out with you and I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to stick in this life together group and I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. I'm telling you right now, you cannot live this life on your own. You need God's church. We need each other. And I'll tell you, here's, here's another discipline. Find a coach. Find somebody who, who's actually farther down the road from you and who can help you along on this path. I'll never forget Andre Agassi when he was the number one tennis player. I remember watching an interview with him, and he was better than anybody else in the world at that time. He said, the most important thing to me is my coach. Isn't that interesting? Because you'd think, once you got to that level, aren't you good enough? You're never good enough. And so, man, you guys, these are just some of the practices. And I just want to encourage you with all of my heart, please understand, you don't do these, don't self have self-imposed worship. Don't worship your efforts thinking that you doing these things is going to make you a better person. A spiritual practice is simply something that you put yourself in the place to let God fill you with his power, to fill you with his love, to fill you, how cool is this, with his self-control. And that's what Jesus wants to do. So yeah, man, let's start developing some habits. Let's start developing some practices. Let's start being great spiritually. And let's do it in God's grace and in his love. And just saying, I'm going to do everything I can to fight against my innate desire to do this on my own. I'm going to fight it with all my being. And I'm going to let God give it to me. And I'm telling you, man, once we learn to receive from God through these spiritual practices, you will experience power and love and self-control. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word to us. Thanks for revealing to us why we struggle so much in our efforts to be the people we want to be. Thank you, God, that you showed us from the very beginning that we bought a lie thinking that you didn't want to give us everything that we need. We bought a lie thinking that we actually have this potential to make ourselves everything that we want to be. And the pressure and the stress And the energy that goes into that, God, thank you that you came to set us free from that. God, I want to thank you too. Thank you that the spirit is a spirit of self-control. Thank you that we do have a power inside of us to be able to say no to our fear, no to our temptations, no to things that are not of you. But we are never going to say no on our own strength ever. But you have given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. So, Lord, would you help us? I I pray for everybody in this room that you'd strengthen them to be able to walk out of here today and say, you know what, man, I'm going to learn how to read the Scripture. I'm going to learn how to pray. I'm going to get into fellowship. I'm going to start hanging out with people who are going after Jesus. I'm going to do these disciplines, God, so that I can put myself in a place to receive what you have. God, give it to us. Pour it on us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.